بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم وعلى آله وصحبه يجمعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد فقد قال الله سبحانه وتعالى وما أرسلناك إلا رحمة للعالمين وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بعثت لأتمم مقارم الأخلاق صدق الله العظيم وصدق رسوله القريم ونحن على ذلك من الشاهدين وشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين Respected brothers and elders and sisters and mothers in Islam Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh The verse of the Quran that I just recited before you Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the 21st chapter in Surah Anbiya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings a description of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Now this surah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the surah is called Suratul Anbiya, the chapter of the prophets. And in it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the various prophets, close to 14 different prophets. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses about them, their qualities, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted them. And as a Surah Anbiya, so obviously we would assume that if the other prophets are discussed in such great details, and the other prophets Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking at a length, then what would be the discussion regarding the Prophet The Prophet he is Sayyidul Mursaleen, he is the leader of all the Prophets. He is the noblest of all the Prophets, he is Khatamul Anbiya, he is the seal of all the Prophets. So we would assume that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when discussing the shan, the grandeur, the honor of the Prophet then the description would be very detailed and many pages would go in Surah Anbiya talking about the Prophet But on the contrary, we find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when talking about the qualities of the Prophet Allah does not go into great detail. Allah does not take more than one phrase, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right at the end of the surah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ O Prophet of Allah, O Prophet of Allah, we have not sent you but as a mercy for mankind, as a mercy for the universe. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that, I am Rabbul Alameen, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, and I've sent you as rahmatun lil'alameen, as a mercy for the same alam. What is alam? In Surah Fatiha, we recite the surah, we say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is the Rabb, the caretaker of all the alam. So we normally translate it as universe, the Lord of the universe. But in fact, if you open the books of Tafsir, we will find in the Mufassirun, the classical Mufassirun, they said, Alam is everything besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All creation, all creation that Allah has created that falls under the scope of Alam. Everything falls inside, not just the humans, not just those that are alive, not just this world. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allah is the Rabb of all of creation. On the same token, that means the Prophet ﷺ is the mercy for all of creation. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not say that وَمَا أَرَسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْمُسْلِمِينَ That you are mercy for the Muslims, لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ For the believers, or لِلْعَرَبْ for those that are in the Arabian Peninsula. No, Rahmatan lil alameen. You are a mercy for the entire mankind. Not just mankind, but every creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
we find the Prophet ﷺ is a mercy. So what is mercy? What do we call the word mercy? Any good that we see in this world, any khair that takes place in this world, that falls under the scope of mercy. When a mother takes care of a child, when a father looks after the children, when a sibling is looking after another sibling, when a teacher teaches the students, all this falls under mercy. When a person gives sadaqah, when we smile, when we joke, any good that we want for another individual, that is out of the mercy that Allah SWT has granted us. In fact, in another narration, the Prophet said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, di has divided mercy into a hundred parts. And only one part of the mercy we see it exposed in this world. Everything that we see in this world, where people look after each other, people are kind to each other, the good characteristics we see, all this falls under just one part or one percent of mercy that Allah has created. And 99 parts of it Allah has kept it for himself, which he will expose on the day of Qiyamah for mankind. So, the Prophet ﷺ, we find that he is the most merciful as Allah SWT talks in the Quran, And we know the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ. MashaAllah, this crowd that is sitting here, we all have a connection with the Prophet ﷺ. We all feel connected to the Prophet ﷺ, rightfully so, because it is part of our Iman. In fact, it is part of our Aqeedah and our creed and our belief system that we cannot even be a perfect Muslim until we do not love the Prophet the most. The Prophet ﷺ in a narration, he has mentioned, لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى أكون أحب إليه من والده وولده والناس يجمعين That none of you, none of you can become a perfect believer can become a perfect believer until I do not become more beloved in his sight than his own parents, his own children, and the entire mankind. So we understand this narration, that's why we all express our love to the Prophet And the Sahaba, they also express their love to the Prophet So this is a matter of Aqeedah, and those students, mashallah, they study Aqeedah, they know that this is a very important um, tenant of Aqeedah that we have to we have to love the Prophet ﷺ, we have to honor the Prophet ﷺ, we have to respect the Prophet ﷺ. And if a person disrespects the Prophet ﷺ, there's danger that he might leave the fold of Islam. But all this is theoretical. If you look at it, all this is a theory that our teacher told us, our parents told us, our masjid imam told us that we have to love the Prophet, so we love the Prophet. It's, we're told to do it, so we do it. And that's how we carry on teaching our children. One thing is you respect someone, you honor someone, you love someone because why you're told to do it and that's, it's expected from you. And it's another thing that you love someone, you honor someone, you respect someone. Why? Because that person, the way they treat you. For example, we have to, we teach our children that you have to respect your parents. That Jannah lies under the feet of your mothers. That no matter what your parents do, you cannot say oof to them. This is what we're taught. And we carry on respecting our parents, rightfully so. But it's another thing when a person recognizes the favors that the parents have done. Recognize the kindness of the, you know, the parents, the mercy that they're shown. And this automatic feeling, this innate feeling that we have that we just love our parents. Because why? They have done so much for us. How can I not love my parents? So it's one thing that we love the Prophet because we're told to. But the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum. There was such that they did not just love the Prophet ﷺ because it was required for them to do so. 
They loved the Prophet ﷺ because they saw the mercy manifest before them. They saw the love of the Prophet ﷺ. They saw the character of the Prophet ﷺ. So much so that they were compelled to respect the Prophet. They were compelled to love the Prophet ﷺ. So much so that it was a normal model of the Prophet, of the Sahaba regarding the Prophet, that they would come to the Prophet and say, Fidaka Abi wa Ummi Ya Rasulullah. Fidaka Abi wa Ummi Ya Rasulullah. O Prophet of Allah, may my parents be sacrificed for you. Now that's not a really small phrase that you just throw around. Everyone loves their parents so much, right? But they love the Prophet ﷺ so much that as an expression of the love for the Prophet ﷺ, they would often say, Fidaka Abi wa Ummi, may my father and my mother, if it be that they have to be sacrificed for your sake, I am happy with the sacrifice for your sake. How did this occur? It's very easy to say, I love you. It's very easy to say that, oh, I have respect. But to be ready to sacrifice everything for individual, that will only come when someone does such a favor to you. When someone shows such character to you that you're compelled to fall in love with that person. You're compelled to respect that person. And this is what we see in the Prophet ﷺ. We all know the sacrifices and the mercy, the greater mercy that the Prophet ﷺ showed the Sahaba how much he cared for the Sahaba, the sadaqah that he would do. That whenever in the days of Medina, sometimes great wealth would come to the Prophet ﷺ. Heaps and heaps of gold would come to the Prophet ﷺ. He would tell, oh Bilal, give all of it in sadaqah. So Bilal, he would go and he would give it to the poor and the needy and the orphans and the widows and he would spread all the sadaqah. And a little bit would be left. The Prophet ﷺ would ask him, Oh Bilal, what are you doing? Why are you saving this? Give this also. Allah is kareem. Allah will give us more. He would not like to keep anything. You'll see the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ. Whatever he had, he would want to share it for others. He would not like to keep anything for himself. If he saw his companion suffering, he would also go through the same suffering. At the battle of Khandaq, the famous story that the Sahaba were digging the trenches. One of the Sahabi was extremely hungry. He lifts up his shirt and he sees a stone tied. He said, oh, Prophet of Allah, I'm so hungry that the stone I have to tie it to my stomach just to keep my stomach in and control the pangs of hunger. The Prophet lifts up his shirt. He says, I have two stones tied. He, he could not bear to be in comfort and the Sahaba be suffering. If they're in hunger, the Prophet I will also be hungry. If they are suffering, I will grow and endure the suffering with you. If they're sacrificing their families, the Prophet ﷺ is also sacrificing his family. If they're not cooking any food, the Prophet ﷺ is also not, food is not being cooked for two months at a time in his house. Why is this so? This is because of the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already granted him this promise. That if you want, I will give you a valley of gold. If you want, you'll have all the riches of the world before you. The Prophet ﷺ rejects this and he says, No, O oh Allah, I would rather eat one day and stay hungry one day so I could make shukr and I could make sabr. But at the same time, he realizes that my sahaba are also going through this. I need to understand this. And through the mercy, he would join them in the suffering. So to understand someone's kindness, someone's character, majority of the time we talk about the great feats. Oh, so-and-so donated so much money to the masjid. Or so-and-so, he was so kind, he helped so many orphans out on that one time when the fundraiser was being done. Or so-and-so, so we always talk about great feats. But if you want to see a character of someone, 
It's not the big things that we need to concentrate on. It's the smaller things in life that we tend to look over. The smaller gestures of kindness, smaller gestures of mercy that we see that continuously occur in the life of the Prophet ﷺ. This is what we call mercy. It is very easy to once in a while show good character. Sometimes we get in these modes of good character and we want to show generosity, kindness, we want to be happy and we want others to be happy. So we have these modes and, you know, of episodes of happiness and good character and we say, Alhamdulillah, I have good character. But good character is something that's continuous throughout your life. Whether it be a big situation or something that's very small. So today I would like to talk about certain small situations regarding the Prophet ﷺ, that we realize that the Prophet ﷺ, he was consistent in his mercy, consistent in his character and kindness towards others. So on the narration of Abu Hurairah, the Prophet ﷺ, one time he was visited by a villager. Now those of you know the history of the time of Prophet ﷺ, many of the Sahaba stayed in the city of Medina. And there were certain villagers that stayed in the outskirts. And just like today, in the past, the villagers they did not have so many formalities, I would say. They did not have so many formalities. They would come and speak very frankly, very openly. They didn't have too many etiquettes as the people in the city have. In today's time, we have the same um, situation as well. The people that stay on the outskirts, they don't have that many formalities or so many um, etiquettes of how to communicate with, with each other. So this Arabi, this villager, comes to the Prophet so the Sahabi narrates says, He came and he asked for a favor. He was a beggar. So he came and asked, Oh Prophet Allah, give me something. I am in need. He was in need, so he's asking. Now keep the situation in mind. When a beggar comes and asks, Are you compelled to give something to that person? Do you have to give it? Is it fuddled? It's not. It's a favor that you do upon the person and it's a good deed and inshallah Allah will shower us with mercy as well. But we feel kind, we feel sorry and we share. But no one is compelled to give anything to a beggar. But if they do, it is their good character. So this person comes and he begs the Prophet And he says, the Prophet then gives him. That he hands him over something to him. Have I done good to you? The Prophet said, did I do something good to you? So this Arabi, he didn't want to appreciate. He said, You have not done good, neither have you done something noble to me yet. In other words, he wanted more. So the Prophet already gave him something. And he asked him, that, is this okay? And he says, no. And, you, and this is not something good that you've done. The Sahaba are sitting. Now the Sahaba, again, they had a lot of love for the Prophet. This is something very natural. When you love someone, let's say you respect your teachers or you respect your parents and someone disrespects your teacher, disrespects your parents, we get angry. Sometimes we go out of control and you want to take the person to task. How dare you say this? How dare you say this about my mother? How dare you say this about my father? And we're ready to fight the person. Sahaba, they had more love for the Prophet than we have for our parents. So when, you see, when they see this Arabi being disrespectful to the Prophet saying, Oma ajmalta, and you have not done something beautiful, you have done something incorrect, muslimun. The Muslims become extremely angry. They got ready to pounce on him. The Sahaba were ready to go at him. The Prophet made ishara. That, you know, relax, relax, I got this, don't worry. So then the Prophet goes inside his house. And he calls this Arabi, he calls this beggar. 
And he says, you came, you asked me, and I gave you. And you said what you had to say. You said it. And I'm giving you something more now. So Paul gives him more. And then the Prophet asked him again, have I done good to you now? Have I done good to you now? He says, Naam, alhamdulillah, you have done good to me. Jazakallah khairan wa ashirah. May Allah subhanahu wa grant you and your family a lot of barakah. So we would think the story is finished now. But look at the mercy of the Prophet Again, it's the smaller things that we need to look at. The Prophet noticed that the Sahaba were angry at this individual. This individual had disrespected the Prophet in front of the Sahaba. Now there's some commotion going on. He did not want to leave it like this. He said, okay, you came and you asked, I gave you. But you said in front of my Sahaba and there's a bit of sourness in their heart now against you. Would you mind coming outside and repeating what you just said to me, that Jazakallah khairan, that you're satisfied? Would you mind repeating it in front of them now? He said, yeah, I could do that. So the Prophet and the Arabi, they go outside. And in front of the Sahaba, the Prophet said that this individual came to us and we gave him and he said whatever he had to say. And then I called him and I gave him some more and I'm convinced that he is satisfied now. Isn't that, is that not so? So the Arabi said, yes, I am satisfied. Jazakallah khairan. I am happy with you. And then he goes. Now the thing to ponder over here is the Prophet could have left it. The case could have been closed. But he did not bear to see that how can my sahaba have ill feelings in their heart for another individual. This is something that was intolerable for him. They said, I cannot let this happen. I need to go and sort this out in front of everyone so everyone is happy. It's a small gesture, but the concern that the Prophet ﷺ had, that the Sahaba have ill feelings for this individual, is not good for the Sahaba to harbor ill feelings. And if this person goes with this type of, without the Sahaba being happy with them, it might be harmful for this person as well. So he wanted to handle this in a manner that everyone is happy. And then the Arabi goes away, Alhamdulillah, Sahaba are satisfied, the Arabi is satisfied. Then the Prophet ﷺ says something very beautiful. And now he's talking to his companions. He's talking to his sahaba, those that are close to him. He said that the example of this individual, an example of me, is like a person who has a camel. And the camel has become wild. It's become wild and is running away. And all these individuals are coming to help out, capture the camel and bring him to the master. But these individuals, when they come closer to the camel, they make the camel more angry. And he becomes more wild and he wants to run away even more. So the owner comes and he says, okay, relax, guys. This is my camel. I know this camel more than you. I know how to be kind to this camel. So he moves everyone away. He goes to the camel with kindness, with softness, makes the camel sit down, shows him good character, and brings the camel back. So this is an example of me, an example of this person. This person that came, he didn't have this etiquette. He doesn't know how to communicate. And he, he said certain things. He was like that wild camel. You, my companions, were like those individuals to try to come and help out, but you're making the situation worse. It made the situation worse. That's why I moved you guys aside. I took my camel. I calmed him down. I made him happy. And alhamdulillah, the situation was handled. This is the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ. That even just an Arabi who is disrespectful, he sees good in him. That you know what, he didn't intend that. That was not his intention. He meant something else. And because of that, whatever ill effect came from that, he wanted to dispel that ill effect, to make sure the situation is handled and everyone is happy. Because the Prophet ﷺ, 
the mercy of the Prophet says that he always wanted good for every individual, not just his friends, not just his companion, any human being that would come to the Prophet The Prophet would go out of his way to make sure that person is satisfied, that person is in a good condition. We also see the Prophet showing his mercy, his kindness, his character, and his household affairs as well. Now we always talk about the famous incident all oh, the Prophet ﷺ was so kind to the prophets and he was a good husband and they would have fun and they would have races together. We always hear that in the khutbas, right? But sometimes we have to see the human aspect. The human aspect of the Prophet ﷺ. And why is it so important that we concentrate on the human aspect of the Prophet ﷺ? Because when we don't look at that, we think that, oh, the life of the Prophet ﷺ is too far-fetched for us. It's not something that we could practice upon. It's not something that we could bring into our lives. His life was different from our lives. Therefore, therefore we cannot resemble him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed to us that the life of the Prophet ﷺ is a perfect role model. That's why certain situations that occurred in the life of Prophet ﷺ, it's normal. It's normal human experience. So one time the Prophet ﷺ, he was having a conversation with Aisha ta'ala, And he had a lot of love for Aisha anha. A lot of love. And he would, the Prophet ﷺ had a habit, he would express his love. Sometimes, because of cultural reasons, we don't like to express our loves, love to our spouses. The new generation obviously does. But the old generation, we don't find them expressing their love. But we find the Prophet ﷺ expressing his love to the wives. He would say that he loves them. And he would say that this wife is the best of all wives. And he would say it to her to make her feel happy. He'll talk about Khadija radiallahu anha when she passed away, that she was the best of the wives. The amount that she has done favor upon me. She had helped me when no one was there. She took care of me when the whole world shut me aside. He'll talk about the good qualities. This is the mercy of the Prophet. He doesn't have to do this. He is the most noble of all human beings. He is the greatest creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He does not need to praise anyone. In fact, everyone needs to praise the Prophet We are in need of the praise of the Prophet but we see the character of the Prophet ﷺ, that when he sees something good, he doesn't hold back his tongue. Sometimes we become very stingy when it comes to praises, especially our own family, especially our own wives, our husbands, our children, our parents. We're very stingy when it comes to praises. But the Prophet ﷺ, he would lay it out. He would praise them a lot. Well, khair, coming back to the story, the Prophet ﷺ, one time him and his wife, they got in a bit of argument. And this was a normal thing that happened. The Prophet ﷺ would get into arguments with his wives. That's why a perfect marriage is a marriage that has arguments. If there's no arguments, something is really wrong with their marriage. Because why? When you're living close with each other, you're going to see every single quality, every single characteristics. And sometimes our nafs comes in the way. So the Prophet ﷺ has an Aisha or in an argument, has Aisha's voice gets a little bit loud. And Abu Bakr Siddiq, the best friend of the Prophet ﷺ, also, the father of Aisha radiallahu anha walks by. He's walking by the house and he hears there's voices that are a bit loud. And he hears his daughter. His voice is loud against the Prophet Now, Abu Bakr Siddiq, he could not tolerate any type of disrespect, disobedience to the Prophet He barges in the house and he sees his daughter. He starts shouting the daughter and try to reprimand her. How dare you talk to the Prophet ﷺ like this? How dare you disrespect the Prophet ﷺ? Now, she's a daughter. Every daughter, every son is afraid of their parents, right? A daughter could show her anger to the husband, but when it comes to parents, she'll back off. So she's hiding from Abu Bakr Siddiq. 
And the Prophet ﷺ is protecting her now. What happened before? The Prophet ﷺ was in Aisha or in an argument. They're in a heated argument, but as soon as Abu Bakr Siddiq, the father, comes to reprimand the daughter, Abu Bakr Siddiq, no, 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 Abu Bakr, stop, stop, stop. Don't do this, don't do this, this is our, don't worry. And he's protecting her, and he's taking care of her. If it was you and I, we're like, yeah, tell your daughter, look what she's doing. We'll take advantage of the situation, because why any argument, we want to win the argument, right? So if we're in an argument with our parents, I mean, sorry, with our spouses, and the parent comes in, we will use it as an advantage. Yes, I got upper hand, two against one now. We got her in a corner. And we'll try to bring out all her faults, and she's wrong, and she needs to sort herself out, and what's wrong with this, and you know, that's why this marriage is always in a problem, because she's always talking back. No, the Prophet said, wait, 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 what's going on? This is between me and my wife. Don't come in. Don't worry about this. And he tells Abu Bakr Siddiq, he's confused. Wait, I'm helping out the situation. I'm yelling at my daughter because she's yelling back, and you're telling me now to leave? So he leaves. And then the Prophet ﷺ turns to Aisha. He smiles at her. She smiles back and says, hey, I saved you today, huh? I saved you from your father today. So this is the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ. Even a situation which would demand anger to be upset, he also sees the goodness that how can I make sure that she is not suffering more than what's necessary. The fight is between me and her. If someone else comes from the outside, does undo justice against her. She doesn't deserve this. He still protects her. He still looks after her. Keep in mind, when a person's in an emotional state, they're not in control. But the Prophet ﷺ was always in control. He was always in control of his emotions. He knew that in this situation, if I allowed Obrik Siddiq to say something to my wife, to Aisha, then she'll be hurt. And I cannot handle her being hurt like this. So he's protecting her. This is the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ. But dear respected brothers and sisters in Islam, it's very easy to show good character to friends, to loved ones, to classmates, to neighbors. Why? Because we get along with them. And obviously, if you do good to them, they'll do good to us, right? So it's a natural process that we like to do good to those people that are good to us. We do good to those people that are good to us, but we do not do good. We do not show good character to those people that do not show it to us. We show our evil character. But the Prophet ﷺ, if you look at it, his akhlaq, his rahmah, his mercy, also showered on the enemies of Islam. On the enemies of Islam. We know that Abu Sufyan, before he became radiallahu anhu, before he became a sahabi, he was one of the arch enemies of Islam. He was the leader of the Quraysh. He was the one that was the military leader that would plan against the Muslim, to harm the Muslims, to kill the Muslims, to harm the Prophet In the battle of Uhud, he was a military leader of the non-Muslims. That was the battle of the Prophet became unconscious. His Mubarak tooth fell out. He was bleeding from his face. His Mubarak uncle passed away. All this happened under the command of Abu Sufyan. Throughout the time of Makkah, before Fatih Makkah, Abu Sufyan was one of the biggest enemies of Islam. No stone was left unturned to harm the Muslims. So before Fatih Makkah, the non-Muslims had the upper hand. They had the military power. The Muslims did not have the military power, neither did they have financial power. They were the weaker, they were the underdogs, you would say. But when Fatih Makkah came, and hordes of people came in the fold of Islam, and now they're going to conquer Makkah, the Prophet is riding his conveyance. He has his helmet on, he has his clothing on, and he's going. Now anyone, if someone has harmed you for so many years, okay, you had 13 years in Makkah and 7 years in Medina, 
Almost 20 years someone has harmed you, harmed your family, harmed your loved ones, and now you have a chance to take over their property, take over the city and be conquerors. How would we walk into that city? How do the leaders of today's time walk into the city? We would boast out, chest in the air, with a flag in our hand, showing that we have the power, we have overtaken you. And that's how they do in today's time. But the Prophet ﷺ, even though he was the conqueror, but he was also the most humble person. He was bent down so much in humbleness that his Mubarak head was hitting the neck of the camel. His Mubarak head was hitting the neck. He did not want to boast that I'm conquering you, but he wanted to show that we came as a mercy for this people. Abu Sufyan, who is afraid of his life that so many years I have harmed the Muslims, what is going to happen to me now? What is going to happen to us now, the non-Muslims? The Prophet ﷺ understood this. He said, do not fear. Do not fear your life. Not only are you safe. He said, Man dara Abu Sufyan kana aminan. Not only Abu Sufyan, whoever enters the house of Abu Sufyan, he is also at peace. Nothing will happen to him. One is that you forgive your enemies. One is you give them so much honor that whosoever enters your house on this day, they will also be forgiven. No harm will come to them also. Abu Sufyan was the arch enemy. He sees the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ. We see Hinda, the wife of Abu Sufyan. She is the individual that hired Wahshi to assassinate the Mubarak uncle of the Prophet ﷺ in the Battle of Uhud. The Prophet ﷺ had immense love for Hamza, immense love. So much so that when he passed away, he cried so profusely on his janazah that he prayed his janazah 70 times. 70 times he prayed janazah on Hamza. That's how much love he had. But when he passed away, his whole body was mutilated. Hinda came and ripped open the body, took out the liver, took out the heart. That's how much pain was caused to the Prophet In Fath Makkah, when Hinda comes, she has a niqab on first. And then she takes the niqab on and speaks to the Prophet And she shows signs of rudeness even in that conversation. The Prophet excuses all rudeness. You know, Hinda says, oh, you killed all our brothers and all children, and now you come here and you try to liberate us, and etc. And she speaks out against the Prophet and the Prophet ignores all that. Then she asks for forgiveness, that may I, will I also be forgiven? Can my sins also be forgiven? The Prophet forgives her. And then Hinda says that before this day, the most hateful person, the most despised person in my eyes was you. I just saw your tent and I would be enraged. That's how much I hated you. But after this day, the most beloved person in my eyes is you. The most beloved person in my eyes is you, O Prophet of Allah. This is the enemy of Islam who sees the mercy of the Prophet We see Ikrimah, who was the son of Abu Jahl. He also, on the Fatih, now Fatih Makkah is a very unique situation that happened at the time. The people thought that we're doomed. The non-Muslims thought that we're doomed. They're going to overtake us, kill all of us. Why? Because we had prosecuted them for so many years. But they see the total opposite. So Ikrimah, having this conviction that I'm also dead, he ran away. He ran all the way to Yemen. And he was taking shelter in Yemen. His wife had accepted Islam. She comes to Yemen and speaks to the husband and says, don't worry, go to the Prophet. He's very merciful. He's very merciful. He'll forgive you. Ask for forgiveness to forgive you. Ikrimah's like, no, I have done too much, too many crimes. He was afraid to go to the Prophet Eventually he gets convinced. He comes to the Prophet ﷺ, news reaches the Prophet ﷺ, Ikrimah, the son of Abu Jahl. Who is Abu Jahl, respected brothers and sisters? He is the Fir'aun of this Ummah. The Prophet ﷺ said that the Fir'aun of this Ummah is Abu Jahl. 
When the Prophet was in Mecca and praying Salah, it was Abu Jahl who took the dead fetus of a camel and put it on the back of Nabi so he cannot get up. It was Abu Jahl who took a piece of cloth and wrapped it around the neck of the Prophet and tried to strangle him. It was Abu Jahl in the Dar al Nadwa who gave the opinion that we should assassinate the Prophet before he migrates. He was the greatest enemy of Islam. This is the son of Abu Jahl that is coming. Imagine what feelings must be going through the Prophet ﷺ at that time. But Ikrimah comes. The Prophet ﷺ knows he's coming to ask for forgiveness and become a Muslim. And he says, Marhaban bil muhajir. Welcome, O rider. Welcome. He's welcome. Who is he welcoming? The son of Abu Jahl. The same person who was a lieutenant in the army against the Muslim in the battle of Ahad. That caused so much harm. But now when he comes, the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ comes into power. And he forgives Ikrimah as well. Respected brothers and elders, this mercy of the Prophet ﷺ, we see there's so many incidents, the enemies of Islam, how they were blessed with the, with the forgiveness of the Prophet ﷺ and the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ. But not only do we see that the Prophet's mercy shines on human beings, but as I said, Rahmatun lil alameen, all the creation. All the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they had benefited from the mercy of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa It's a very unique narration in Sahih Muslim. Because Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala says that Anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa kharaja min indiha laylin qalat faghirtu alayhi This is a very beautiful narration. That one time the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa was resting at the house of Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala. And the Prophet in the middle of the night, he gets up and he leaves the house. Now, Hazrat Aisha was a young woman, and she says, Faghirtu alayhi, I became, there's no proper translation for the word ghayra. But you could say she became angry that she thought that the Prophet went to one of the other wives' house. It was her turn, that night was supposed to be spent with her. So she thought that he left and he went to visit another wife. So I had ghayrat. Now ghayrat is a characteristic that is desired in Islam, in man and in woman. Ghayrat, again, there's no correct translation, but something that you're, you hold very personal. And when you see that thing being defiled, or something being disrespected, then you feel very angry. So we have to have ghayrat for Islam. When you, we have the ghayrat for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We have ghayrat, we have the... We have ghayrat for our loved ones, our wives, our daughters, our sons. We have ghayrat. So, Hazrat Aisha says, فَغِرْتُ عَلَيْهِ فَجَاءَ So then the Prophet ﷺ came back. فَرَآ مَا أَسْنَعُ And he saw that what happened. Because she was breathing heavy. She tried to follow. In another narration, it comes that the, Hazrat Aisha followed the Prophet ﷺ and found him in Baqi. And he was in Baqi and he was making dua for the people of Baqi. So she felt really ashamed. She came back. She came really quickly before the Prophet could come back. When she came back, she came back so quickly that she was breathing heavy. She was breathing very heavy. So the Prophet came and knew what happened. said, oh, she probably followed me. And now she's breathing. So the Prophet said, Malaki ya Aisha. Oh, Aisha, what happened? What happened? And he says, Aghirti, do you have a ghairat for me? Did you feel like I went somewhere else? I know what you're thinking. How is it possible that someone like me cannot have a ghayrat for someone like you? You're so perfect. You're the perfect individual. How can I even bear that you're going somewhere else? I want to keep you for myself. This is my night. So obviously I'm going to have a ghayrat. Then the Prophet said, Perhaps your shaitan came to you and put this thought in your mind. 
Hazrat Aisha, she was very surprised. She said, Ya Rasulullah, shaitan. Do I have a shaitan with me? Like, what are you saying? I didn't know I have a shaitan with me. He said, Naam, you have a shaitan. Does every individual have a shaitan? The Prophet said, Naam, yes, every individual has a shaitan with him. Hazrat Aisha, very inquisitive. She says, Ya Rasulullah, do you also have a shaitan? We wouldn't say that, but this is the wife of the Prophet ﷺ. She wanted to learn. She was a true student of Islam as well. And she says, Ya Rasulullah, do you also have a shaitan? She says, But my Lord, Allah SWT has assisted me that my shaitan has accepted Islam. My shaitan is the point I'm trying to make across that the mercy of the Prophet sallallahu is so humongous and so powerful that even his shaitan benefited from that and he came in the fold of Islam. He also benefits and comes in the fold of Islam. Let alone making impression on shaitan, we find, let alone making impression on human beings, the Prophet's mercy had made an impression on his shaitan as well. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, as I said, he says, akhlaq." I have came to perfect Good characteristics, good character. I came to perfect that. So we find in the Prophet ﷺ's mercy was the perfection of his akhlaq. That every atom, every creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala benefits from his mercy. Even the animals, we find the Prophet ﷺ, he shows mercy towards the animals as well. He says, Ittaqullaha fi al-bahaim. Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ittaqullaha have taqwa. Have taqwa regarding these animals that cannot communicate. Write them with dignity and eat them with dignity. In other words, fear Allah. Why should you fear Allah? Because why? You'll be questioned about them as well. So even when it comes to animals, the Prophet ﷺ is showing the rights of the animals, that you cannot abuse the animals. You cannot take advantage of them. You cannot put your load on the animal more than it could bear. Why? Because that is injustice. On a day of Qiyamah, you're going to answer. Ittaqullah, 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 fear Allah, fear Allah. And there are many other narrations we find that the Prophet ﷺ talks about the rights of animals. But I could see that my time is already short. Um, but I would like to, inshallah, give some parting advice regarding the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet ﷺ, he says that I have came to perfect akhlaq. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, لَقَدَ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا Indeed, in the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is a perfect example for you. The most noblest model is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says to a sahabi, Ya Uqba, Allah أُخْبِرُكَ بِأَفْضَلِ أَخْلَاكِ أَهْلِ الدُّنْيَا O Uqba, shall I not inform you of the best akhlaq of the people of the dunya? What is the best akhlaq that we could adopt? So he says, yes, do tell me. He says, Tasilu man Join ties with those that break ties with you. man haramak. And grant those that deprive you. And forgive those that oppress you. Just three simple advice to be the best of characteristics. To be the best character, to be the best human beings, only three things we have to do. The Prophet said, join ties with those that break ties. It's very easy to join ties with those that are kind to us. Those that are kind to us, we're going to be kind to them. But that individual who breaks ties with you, who swears you, who disrespects you, he doesn't want to talk with you. He's always out to get you. You go out of your way to join the tie now. 
That takes sacrifice. That is not easy. That's why this is called, the, this is the afdalu akhlaq. This is the best of akhlaqs. To join ties with those that break ties with you. And then he says, tu'ti man haramak. Those that deprive you, they snatch it away from you, they don't give you your right. Now this applies to all facets of our life. It could be a parent and a child. It could be the husband and the wife. It could be students, co-workers, neighbors, friends, anyone that you have a right over and they're not granting you your right. For example, a child has a right over the parents and the parents have a right over the child. We always teach that the children have to fulfill the rights of the parents, but we seldomly teach that the parents have to fulfill the rights of the children as well. They have to respect them, they have to be kind, they can't abuse them, right? So let's say that a child, he feels that my parent is not loving me. My mother, my father, they're abusing me. They're very rude to me. But this hadith says what? تُعْتِي مَنْ حَرَمَكْ وَتَعْفُوا Grant those that don't grant you and forgive those that oppress you. You might seem as oppression apparently, but if they are oppressing you, you still be kind to them. Still forgive them. Do not look at what is their responsibility. We have to look at what is our responsibility. This is the beauty of Islam. Because why Islam revolves around ikhlas. It revolves around sincerity to do it just for the sake of Allah. This is what La ilaha illallah means, to do everything for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you're doing a favor upon someone because they done a favor upon you, then you already got a benefit. There is no ikhlas there. There's, there's a doubt whether there's ikhlas there or not. But if you're doing something good to someone, even though they're harming you, you're only going to do that for the sake of Allah. There's no other reason you'll be kind to someone who's being rude to you besides for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's no reason you'll grant someone who is depriving you except for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's no reason you'll forgive someone who is oppressing you except for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you do it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's where the good akhlaq comes from. Because you do everything for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to have good akhlaq. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to follow the footsteps, the uswai hasana of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It is easier said than done. But definitely if we have the intention and we make effort, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala assist us and make it easy for us. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.